I'm so glad that you're here. We're starting a new little two-week series called Better Together. Uh, I tried something new with this, and if you can't read it, let me know. I'll change it for next week. All right, so uh, just trying a little something, something, because I was bored today. So uh, anyway, I'm super excited. Uh, man, uh, Steph and I got to get away this past week by ourselves. My goodness, and that is a good feeling. We went to South Carolina to visit the people. When I, when I told you about that crazy story about me getting broke down, and I had to hitchhike on the side of the road, well, I met a pastor. He donated this TV and his car to us. Well, we went and spent a week at their house and just hanging out and doing nothing, to be honest with you. And then last night, Stephanie's dreams got to come true, and we got to see Hamilton down in Atlanta. I know it was, she loved it, and I loved it. It was awesome. And so we made our way up last night just in time for church today. Day. And I'm just excited today. I'm, I'm rested. The Titans won uh, at home against the Colts, which is a miracle. All right, so that's really awesome. And uh, man, I'm excited that you're here today. And uh, I hope that this message will bless you. I hope that it will speak to you. But before I get there, uh, I'm going to ask the, the wives a question and the husbands a question, okay? Because this is something that happens in our marriage. And I think that you might know by now that I'm not a perfect person. All right, but... Our marriage, Stephanie's marriage is great. Huh? Oh, I got to talk about my clothes. Sorry, Stephanie told me to talk about my clothes. Here's what I was going to tell you. I was going to tell you, I'm in my baptism attire, and that's we're going to baptize someone right after service at someone's house in a pool. Uh, But the truth is that I left my belt at home with my change of clothes. or I have my change of clothes, but I don't have my belt. If I don't have my belt, my pants would literally fall down to my ankles. And you think the fly situation was bad. That's even worse. So I just decided I'm just going to stay in this. I've been working out. I got a new set of legs right here. So y'all get to check those out. And uh, and, and I'm repping the Titans. So that's pretty good. That's why I'm wearing these clothes. But anyway, our marriage is a great marriage. She just reminded me to do something, which Steve tends to be about right. And uh, But... Uh, if you're uh, if you're married in here, you might have the same struggle. Our marriage is not perfect, and uh, this is actually probably one of the things that I do worst. All right, so I'm just going to tell you right now: how many wives in here have ever told their husband something, and their husband may uh, you you might say, "Man, babe, don't you think this is a great idea, honey? Like if we did this," and the husband says something to the effect of like. That's not really a good idea. It's maybe a dumb idea or something like that, right? How many of you has ever had that conversation before? Hey, I think you should do this. Hey, I think we should do this. And you've said it to him a thousand times, ladies, and he has never done it. But then he gets around his friends and his friends say the exact same thing that you've been saying. And because the friends said that exact same thing, then all of a sudden he's like, hey, I had this great idea, honey. Like I was talking to so-and-so at work and he suggested that we do this. Isn't that a great idea? And all of a sudden, the wives are like, are you kidding me right now? I literally said that two weeks ago, and you told me it was a dumb idea. Well, I do this all the time. All right, I'm getting better at it, but I do this all the time. I remember uh, my wife, uh, Stephanie, she had uh, asked me one day, like, hey, what do you think about homeschool? And my words to her was, no, I don't want my kids to be weird. That's exactly what I said. I'm like, uh, because I, I, I had this preconceived notion that homeschool kids are weird. And I didn't want my kids to be weird. Stephanie went to school to actually learn when we were growing up. I went to school to be around friends. Like I wanted to be around people. I didn't care how well I did in school, but I remember uh, that that was my mentality. So she asked me about being homeschooled and all of a sudden I'm like, no, we're not going to homeschool our kids. Well, she kept bringing it up. You know, she wasn't being mean about it or like pestering me. It wasn't anything like that, but she kept bringing it up down uh, time and time again. And then all of a sudden I was like, okay, I will ask somebody about it. Fine. You know? And so I get to work the next day 
And one of my best friends in the world, his name is Daniel. I go up to Daniel, and here's how I brought up the conversation with Daniel. I said, Daniel, Stephanie, can you believe this? Stephanie wants to homeschool our children. I mean, can you imagine? Like, that sounds insane, right? He goes, well, we're homeschooling this year. And I was like, really? Do you want your kids to be weird? You know, like, are you kidding me? And all of a sudden, he was like, well, here's why I want to homeschool. Boom, 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 boom. And he's talking about all this stuff. And it was the exact same reasons that Stephanie had given me and why she wanted to homeschool. And so I went home to Stephanie and I said, are you, uh, hey, uh, are you sure that like uh, we should homeschool, right? Like Daniel had said these things. He had said, you know, we should homeschool because of this, 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 and this. I think it's a great idea, babe. I think we should homeschool. And she's like, you've got to be kidding me, right? Like she got so mad at me. And, and that's just how it is sometimes. Sometimes you need to hear something. You know what the right thing to do is. You know what the right decision to make is. But you, sometimes you need to hear it from someone else for it to really sink in. And, and just so, for the record, we homeschool our kids. I love it. I was wrong, right? My kids, they're a little weird, but they're my kids. You're like, I'm weird. So I love homeschooling. Our, I, actually, I don't homeschool them at all. Stephanie does just about everything, really everything with homeschooling. And I really do like it. But isn't that like life sometimes? Sometimes you know the decision that you need to make. You know that you, they're the right thing to do. Maybe your wife or your spouse, which by the way, is the mouthpiece of the Holy Spirit a lot of times, right? Maybe they have told you to do something. Maybe the Holy Spirit has told you to do something. Maybe your pastor has told you to do something. Maybe the person that you trust has told you to do something. And for some reason, you're just not doing it. And I think I have a solution to that problem today. We're going to look at a person in Scripture today that, uh, that struggled with this same thing. He was told the thing to do. And it took, a, it took a mountain to move for him to be able to do this thing. And oftentimes, God is going to use other people in your life because God didn't design you to do life alone. He didn't design you to make decisions by yourself. He didn't design you to do life alone. No, He designed you to have life in community with other people that other people know you so they can speak into you. Why? Because God knows that we're better together. We're better. To, uh, God, I'm doing a plan right now on my YouVersion app uh, called Relationship Goals. I would highly recommend it. It's very good. But the guy, his name is Pastor Mike Todd. He wrote this and he was talking about how uh, when God created everything in the universe, he, said he created light and he said, man, that is good. And then he created, so he's, that is good. He created the plants, that's good. He created the animals, that's good. He created people, he said, that's very good. But then right after he created people, he said, you know what? It's not good for man to be alone. And so he created Eve. Why? Because we're better together. We're better together. Well, today we're going to look at a story of a guy named Naaman. Y'all say Naaman. And I hope we can learn something from this story tonight. Here's what it says in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. It says, The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. All right, but though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. So here Naaman is. Naaman is a bad dude. He commanded the whole entire Syrian army. The Syrian army was a big deal. The Syrian army would take you out. They had actually taken out the Israelites and they had taken a lot of them captive. The Syrian army was a big deal. And Naaman was the commander. He was like on the same level as King David, right? Like he could conquer anything. The dude knew what he was doing. He had it going on. 
He didn't need anything. He was as wealthy as you could possibly be. He had all the ladies. He had all the money. He had all the food. He had all the land. He had everything that he could possibly want. But the Bible says this. But though Naaman had everything he could ever want, though he was a mighty warrior, though he was known for, to, for being this amazing person throughout the kingdom, Naaman had a problem. Naaman didn't just have a little problem. Naaman had a big problem. He said, though he was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. He had this skin disorder. And actually, the, the word for this doesn't actually mean legit leprosy. It just meant that he had some sort of skin disease. This was the word that kind of had a blanket statement for a skin disease. But this skin disease was causing him to suffer. A lot of people actually think it wasn't leprosy. Because if it was leprosy, he wouldn't be able to be around other people because it was super contagious and people wouldn't have been allowed to be around us. So we actually think that it wasn't leprosy, but whatever it was, it was destroying him. He was suffering from it. The Bible is saying, hey, even though he's done all these amazing things, even though that he has conquered country after country, taken captive after captive, he's done all these things. He's known for a lot of this stuff, but in his life, he's got a problem. And the same is true for you. I think a lot of us in here, man, you're, you are great at things. You're amazing at things. You have potential in you. You have a purpose for your life. You have talents. You have gifts. You have spiritual gifts. You have things to offer this world, offer the people around you, to influence the people around you. But even though you have all that stuff, you're suffering from something. And the interesting thing about this disease is this, is that he probably came in close contact with somebody else that had this disease. And it got onto him, whatever it was. And all of a sudden he was infected and it may have not even been his fault. But now he's suffering because he, was, uh, he was, came in close contact with somebody that had something that was wrong with him. And that's the same story in our lives, right? The thing that might be infecting you, the thing that might be causing you to suffer was something that wasn't even your fault. It was something that someone said to you. It was something that someone did to you. It was something that someone wrote about you. It was a rumor that was started about you. It was a lie that someone spread about you, right? Like maybe for you, uh, it was something that happened when you were younger. Maybe for you, the thing you're infected with was a past of bad decisions that you've made. Maybe for you, you hung around the, the wrong people. Maybe for you, you had bad parents and these parents didn't love you very well and they would maybe abuse you somehow, or they would say things, or maybe they didn't say some things that they needed to say. Maybe you were bullied. Maybe you, maybe you walked through a divorce in your life, or maybe uh, something happened in your life that wasn't a part of the plan, uh, and it left you feeling like you're broken. Maybe that you were betrayed. Maybe you were lied to. Maybe you were, I mean, who knows? But here's what I know, is that everybody in this room is suffering from some sort of leprosy. You have something in your life, something from your past, something that's happened to you that's holding you back from everything that God wants to do in your life. Even Naaman, the greatest, one of the greatest warriors who ever lived, had a problem. We all have these problems. We all suffer. No matter how good you are at something, you're suffering from your yesterdays. You have a past. You have a past wound. You, and guess what? You need freedom. Well, my goodness, you made it to the best place in the world today. Because at our church, our purpose is four things. And if you can say it, I'll give you bonus points, all right? We want people to know God. We want people to find freedom. 
We want people to discover their purpose so they can make a difference. And what we're talking about tonight is this one right here. We want you to find freedom from whatever has happened to you in your past, from whatever you're currently dealing with, from whatever is your leprosy in your life, your skin disease in your life that you're suffering from, that you are, uh, you're bound to, you can't seem to break through. Guess what? God wants you to have freedom. And we've designed this church. If you just went through growth track, you should get up here and teach with me. Come on. If, listen, we've designed this church to help you find freedom. Like, we don't, that's the whole reason you're here. I want you to know God. And guess what? Then I want you to, man, I want God to save you from your sins, but I also want God to free you from your yesterdays. I want God to step in and do the impossible, right? I want God to step in and heal the skin disease that you might be suffering from, and he wants to. But we designed a whole church around this. We designed it so that you could find freedom. Well, how do we do that? Man, I'm so glad you asked. I'm going to tell you all about it tonight. I believe the Bible teaches, and if you look at it, it happens all throughout. It happens in this story. It happens all throughout Scripture that you find freedom when you get around the right people. In the context of community is where you find freedom. It says this in James. It says, hey, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be, what's this word? Come on, what's this word? Healed. You have problems. Man, a lot of times when you have something that's happened to you, it comes out in sin. Like we make bad decisions and it comes out. And that's the fruit of this thing that's wrong with us in our lives. Even if it's not your fault, you might struggle with something because of something that happened to you. And a lot of that's sin. And when the Bible says, hey, when we bring other people in and we say, hey, I need to share something with you. When I was younger, this happened to me. Because here, here's what I know. You can find, he, you, I'm sorry, you can find redemption through Jesus, but you find healing through sharing it with other people. Like God can redeem your sins. He can take away your sins. You're going to go to heaven when you die, all that stuff. But there's a lot of people in the Bible Belt. We talked about this last week. There's a lot of people here. They don't know, they're walking around in a dry and weary land where there is no water. They might be going to heaven, but they're miserable while they're here. Why? Because they probably haven't done this. They've not been healed. They've not been through the process of healing that only can take place when you're with other people. Healing, freedom, takes place in the context of community. Why? Because that's how God designed you. That's how God designed this thing. And I know what you're thinking, Clint, you, you don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand my story. You don't understand what I'm dealing with. If I share that, they're going to think differently of me. No, we won't. You're not going to shock me, for one. If you share with me, I promise you're not going to shock me. You're probably not going to shock anyone else either. First of all, we probably already know it about you, right? Like we, you know, but the second thing is this, is that when you share something that's happened in your life, that you may have not shared with anyone else before, you're not going to get judgment when you say that. Someone's going to look at you and say, me too. I've been through that before. I've struggled with that before. Or, hey, man, you should talk to so-and-so. Man, I, they have an amazing journey where, where they have walked through this grief process before. They've walked through this addi same addiction before. And they want to, man, man, would you be willing to talk with them? And that's where you're going to find healing. The same was true for Naaman, this story is no different. And so here's what it says. It says, at this time, uh, at this time, Armenian raiders had invaded the land of Israel. And among their captives 
was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. There's a little girl, probably a little teenager, maybe even a little longer, younger, who had been taken captive by Naaman. Naaman had conquered her town, he had taken her family captive, and now this little girl is serving as a maid to the king's wife. I'm sorry, to Naaman's wife. Now, I'm telling you this because never underestimate the power of someone's voice in your life. It can come from someone that you would never expect it to come from. And God can use it to speak to you. God even used a legit donkey in the Bible to get someone's attention. And in this story, he's going to use a little girl who should have been super mad at Naaman for ruining her life, for taking her captive, and breaking up her family. And all of a sudden, she sees this problem, and she has some sort of compassion in her heart. And she says this. One day, that girl said to her, Mistress, I wish my master would just go see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of this leprosy. So here's this little girl who should be mad at Naaman. She, he's, she's been taken captive. And she looks at her mistress, Naaman's wife, and says, Hey, like he should totally go see the man of God in Israel. He can do something. Thank God that little girl grew up in a Christian home, right? Like she was able to know, like, I know who the man of God is. I know where he lives. And I know that he can fix stuff. I know. That. And you know what? People in this church, our kids in this church should know those things. We spend a lot of resources. We spend a lot of time teaching your kids the same thing, that God loves them and God is their best friend and that they can do anything with him. I forget the catchy phrase it is, but it's something close like that, right? Like we want our kids to know that because our kids' voices matter and the voices you have in your life matters. Man, Naaman and even his wife would have been like, who is this little girl? Who does she think she is sharing all this stuff, right? No, she potentially, or she did save Naaman's life because she spoke up. Be the friend that's like this little girl to somebody. Be the voice of reason to somebody. Be this little girl in your friend's life who needs to know like, hey, you don't look like you're doing very well. I'm here to help. And I'm here to point you to the one that can solve everything. I want to, let me just, come on, come to church with me. At least you'll hear something encouraging there, hopefully, right? Like, you're going to, come on, hey, hey, you should read this, you should listen to this song. Hey, check out this YouTube video. I think it'll really encourage you. Hey, be like this little girl. Don't be afraid to speak up and say, hey, I'm here to help. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to help you. And so what Naaman does is he gets word, and he goes he gets millions and millions of dollars, the Bible it doesn't say millions of dollars, but equivalent to millions and millions of dollars in gifts and cash and, excuse me, gold and all this stuff. And he goes to Israel. And the first place he goes to is the king. And now, you got to know something. Naaman and the king are probably not best friends, right? Like Naaman has whooped some Israel butt, you know? So they're not very good friends. And so he rolls up into Israel and the king of Israel sees Naaman coming and he's like, what is he doing here, Right? And so Naaman goes to see the king. He's like, hey, I'm here to get healed. This little girl told me you can heal me. And the Bible says that the king tore his clothes. He was so mad. He was like, why did you come to me? Like, you think that I have the power of death and life? Like, why did you do this? And all of a sudden, Elisha gets word of this, the man of God. Elisha was the prophet who the king also did not like, by the way. All right, so he was this prophet. He sends a messenger. And it says this. It says, but when Elisha, the man of God, the mouthpiece of God, by the way, this would be the equivalent of like reading your Bible today. They didn't have the Bible like we have the Bible. 
But they had prophets, and prophets would speak the word of God. And whatever the prophets would say, it wasn't Elisha saying it, it was God saying it. Whatever you read your Bible, it's not like Elisha saying it. It's God telling these things to you. That's what these prophets were. So he heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay. And he sent this message to him. Hey, why are you so upset? Just send Naaman to me, and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and his chariots, and he waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger to him with this message. This is where things are going to get interesting right here. He says, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored. It'll be made like it was supposed to be. And you will be healed from your leprosy. So Elisha, he tells Naaman exactly what to do in order to be healed. I wonder how many things we've missed in our life. We've missed the healing in our life. We've missed the thing that we need in our life because we're not willing to go to the Word of God to see the answer. Or maybe you have gone to the Word of God, but you're like Naaman, and you're like, "Are you? that's it? That's all I have to do? It seems like it should be a little bit more complicated than that, right? And so he, he tells him, hey, all you got to do is go wash in the river, the Jordan River, seven times, and when you come up, your, your skin's going to be smooth as a baby's bottom. That's the Clint Lambert translation, okay? But that's what he said. So you're, you're going to be healed. Just go do that. Well, Naaman's response is a lot like our response in a lot of these things. He said, but Naaman became angry, and he stalked away, and he said, I thought... How many of us have had this same response? Someone in your life has come to you and said, hey, I really think that if you do this, it's going to help you. And that maybe God was sending this person to you to help you. I mean, you've been begging God, God, take this away from me. God, I'm in so much pain. Like, God, I've been struggling with anxiety for so long. God, I have this injury. God, I have this thing in my life. I have this addiction. I have this relationship problem. My kid has walked away from you, and he's not coming back. Like, I, I keep hurting and hurting. And God is like, hey, just go do this. And you're answering, what? Are you, what? I thought that you could just do it the miraculous way. Like, couldn't you just wave your hand over my, my problem and, and poof and fix it like a genie in a bottle, right? Like, don't you think that it would be a lot cooler if you did it this way? Or don't you think, man, this story would be really awesome if all of a sudden you just showed up and you did this crazy miracle? Like, I thought that you would do something like that. Like, why would, that doesn't make any sense. How could washing in the Jordan River help me? Well, here is what Naaman says. He says, but Naaman, but Naaman became angry, stalked away. He said, I thought he would at least come out to meet me, right? I expected him to wave his hand. How many of y'all have ever done this? I expected him to just wave his hand over the leprosy and call in the name of the Lord, his God, and heal me. Aren't the rivers where I'm from in Damascus, like uh, the Abana and the Farpar, uh, aren't they better than any of the rivers in Israel? Why shouldn't I wash them and wash them and be healed? So Naaman turned and he went away in rage. The answer to his miracle was right in front of him. The, the answer to his problem was right there. And it was so easy. But he thought, man, surely God isn't going to do this. Like God's way more complicated than that, right? Like he's a God of mystery. Are you kidding me? 
That makes no sense to me. Well, sometimes God wants you to just trust him. It wasn't about what Naaman was going to happen to him. It was about what God was wanting to do in him. And a lot of times that's where our healing starts. It's not what God does to you to heal you, but what happens in you to heal you. And sometimes it just means that you have to take that simple step of obedience and go, God, even if that sounds crazy, even if it doesn't make sense in my little brain, I'm going to do it. Why? Because you said it. And I believe it. Right? You, you told me to do it. I'm going to believe it. But that's not our response a lot of times. And a lot of times we walk away from our miracle, we walk away from our, our breakthrough or our healing, whatever it is, and we, because we just don't think that's how it should be. Well, when did God make you God? How about you trust him a little bit? Because his ways are higher than our ways. That means he has an understanding that's above, believe it or not, your understanding of things. But he's waiting on you just to trust him and go, okay, that doesn't make sense to me, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to take this step. I remember, uh, I wasn't planning on sharing this, but when we were living in Knoxville, we lived in Knoxville for about a year, go Vols, and uh, we were there, and uh, it, it was not a good fit for us, honestly, uh, and we had been in contact with a church that was called Christ Fellowship, y'all heard me talk about them a ton. And uh, we went down for an interview, and when we went down for the interview, it was very clear that God was calling us there. If they were going to offer us a job, God was calling us, we were going to take the job. And so they told us that the salary is supposed to start at this really awesome number, and we were like, sweet, you know, that's really awesome. And so a couple weeks go by, they interview some other people, and we get the call, like, hey, we want to offer you this job, but since you've been here, We've restructured our whole org chart. This is a church that has 500 staff members. It's very big, so they restructured and it turned everything sideways. And they're like, well, now it's not going to be this level position. It's actually going to be this lower level position, and we're going to offer you this amount of money. And that amount of money was way, way less than anything that we could have lived off of. And so we had just had Ellie. I mean, she was an infant, like weeks old, and like a couple months old at this point. And I remember feeling devastated and dreading talking to Stephanie about this because I knew what she was going to say, right? And so I went to her and said, hey, Kevin offered me the job, but here's the salary number, and, uh, you know, I don't know what to do. And Steph's like, well, we can't do it. And and that's not a knock on her. That's just, thank God, she holds me from doing stupid stuff sometimes, right, with that attitude. But I was like, well, babe, God called us. And on paper, this made no sense. I mean, Living in, have you ever lived in South Florida before? Let me just tell you, it's expensive. You know what I mean? Like, I'm talking a lot of money to live down there. And we'd had this baby, but we had felt called, and we took the weekend, we were praying about it, and uh, I remember that it didn't make sense. What God was asking us to do financially made no sense whatsoever. And I remember we, we prayed, and we had come to the conclusion that uh, we're going to be people that say yes to God. We're, gonna, we're just going to do it. I don't care what the, if God's calling us, we're going to do it. I don't remember Noah or Moses or David when they were called by God going, but how's the pay going to be? No. You, you say yes when God calls you to do something. And we said, I don't want to look at our kids one day and say, we missed out on this because we were afraid that ends wouldn't meet. So we made it. We said yes. We went down there. And let me just tell you, I could not have written this story. There were, I'm not joking, and this is not a knock on anything. 
there were times we didn't have enough money to go get food, and people would invite us over to their house without knowing, and we'd get home with some leftovers. There were times where we had no money, no car. I'd wrecked our only car, and people are giving us cars. Like, we were given five cars while we lived down in Florida. We were able to give away five cars. God showed us through that church that, hey, I'm big enough to take care of you. I'm big enough to make ends meet. I'm big enough to work this thing out. All you have to do is say yes. And I'm telling you, it was because we said yes to that that we were able to say yes to this because I know that even starting a church in the middle of a pandemic doesn't make any sense financially and people calling us crazy and doing that. I'm telling you, I wouldn't have said yes to this if we wouldn't have said yes to that. Why? Because sometimes God works in ways. He's not trying to just do something for you. He's trying to do something in you and preparing you for something. And Naaman's in this position where it doesn't make sense to do what God's asking him to do. Some of you, it might not make sense for you to do what God's asking you to do, but you don't know what's on the other side of your yes. Man, if you would have told me back then that this church is on the other side of that yes, I would have called you crazy. But man, we get to baptize two people today because of a yes that happened six, seven years ago. You never know what God's going to do. Don't try to add it up on paper. It'll never work out. Why? Because God doesn't do the same math that you do. He doesn't add. God multiplies. And what God's about to do in Naaman, God wants to do in you. It's just going to take you to say yes to the thing that he's asking you to do. But the way that Naaman said yes was very interesting. And his officers who loved him, who who wanted the best for him, the people that were closest to him, He started to walk away, but his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, what are you doing? We came all this way. You've been suffering for so long. We see the pain in your eyes. We see how it's affecting you. And he's he's just told you to do this, and you're not going to do it? They said, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? Like, if he would have told you, to go up to him and wave his armor, you would have done it. So why not go to the Jordan and, and, and do it? You can be cured, he says. Listen, you need people in your life that are close enough to you to stop you from doing something dumb, to stop you from walking away from what God has called you to do to stop you from walking away from the best that God has for you. You need people to go, whoa, 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 whoa. I have them in my life. I'm telling you, I have them in my life. I have, we have overseers that oversee this church that push us. We have brotherhood and sisterhood groups that are made up of pastors that know what's going on in our life. I have other pastor friends that know what's going on. Our financial board, all of them are not impressed by me. They will tell us no at any, I promise you. I've, we've surrounded ourselves with people that are gonna do this. No, Clint. Don't give up. Stop. Keep going. God's called you. You got to call God in your life. You keep going. We had that conversation with some people a few weeks ago. You need those people in your life. They're going to stop you and say, come on. Come on. You're better than this. You can do this. Come on. Hey, we're going to get through this together. We're going to take this one step at a time, one day at a time. Hey, I love you too much to let you continue to do that. Come on, we're going to do this together. Let's go. Come on, hey, don't do that. Don't walk away. Come on, come back, come back. You need people like this in your life because God designed it that way. Because God knows that you're better together. 
And so you better have some people in your life that are like this. They're going to stop the chariot. They're going to stop you from turning around no matter how mad you are. And they're going to risk everything and say, hey, I care about you too much. I like to say it like this. Is we need people in our life that couldn't care less, but they also couldn't care more. Right? They couldn't care less what you think of them. They couldn't care less how it's going to make you feel because they care too much. You need people like that. And I love this next. This is my favorite part of the story right here. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River. When people, when you allow people to have that influence in your life, God uses it to get you where you need to go. I love it. Naaman heard it from his people. And so he went down to the Jordan River. Simplest verse in the whole Bible. And it says this. So he went down to the Jordan River and he dipped himself seven times. And the man of God, as the man of God had instructed him, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child. That's the Bible's way of saying, smooth as a baby's bottom, baby. And he was healed. And it never would have happened if Naaman was by himself. It took a little girl that was a, a... that had been taken captive to speak up, and it took his officers to push him to do the right thing. Why? Because people are better together. You are going to be better when you're with other people. You are going to find healing when you open up to other people. And listen, I'm not telling you to open up to everybody. Open up to one person. It don't take much. But you're better together. God knows this. You're better together. That is why groups at this church are what we do. Because I believe that God wants to heal some of you. And and I'm talking from wounds that are decades old, from trust issues that are decades old, from abuse, verbal, physical, whatever it is, decades old. God's going to use groups in your life to heal you from those wounds. Because that's what he does, and that's the way God designed you to be. Because when we don't let this stuff out, let me just tell you, I got some in my life that I've had to let out and let people know about, and some of it's only to a counselor and separate. But guess what? When you start to do that, that infection that's been infecting you for so long begins to heal. And I might have a scar, but it's going to be a healed scar. It's going to be one that's healthy going to be one that's going to remind me of what God's done. And look at this healing. I have this scar now because I've been healed. The problem's gone. That's why groups are so important. Listen, groups start in two weeks, right? Every person in here needs to be in a group. And if you're like, I don't want to go in the survivor group, great. I'll start another one. I'll lead it. I don't care. I'll start one at Cracker Barrel. We did this last time on Thursday mornings, early in the morning. And we'll have a group then. Listen, I believe in this. Stephanie believes in this. I I need you to believe in this. And make it a priority. Be there for it. Show up. Man, I don't feel like, I don't care. Get there. Why? Because I want you to be healed. I want what's best for you. So sign up for a group. It's so easy. I mean, my goodness, come over to our house and watch Survivor. That is fun, right? Like, do that. Go to Cracker Barrel. Man, that's awesome. Okay. Like, do something fun with your group. It doesn't have to be, I mean, we're not going to dive into the book of Romans and go verse by verse. No. Go do something fun. Have a golfing group. 
Come on, do something. Give you an excuse to play golf once a week. Are you kidding me? Go do that with some friends. Call the group. I don't care. But be there for each other. So when someone gets sick in your group, guess what? They got food. They got people that are checking in on them. Hey, man, I know. Man, I love you so much. I'm so sorry you got sick. Hey, here's $30 of DoorDash. Get something on us. Right? Oh, man, so-and-so's in the hospital. Well, guess what? Me and Seth can't be everywhere at the same time. How about the group show up to the hospital and, and pray for them and be with them there? here's the deal. I don't know everybody. I I can only be at one place at one time, but if all of us are in a group and we're helping each other and we're loving each other, that's what the church is supposed to look like. And so you need this. Are you doing a whole sermon series, Clint, on groups? Yes. Uh, Next week, we're talking about it again. And because I want you in a group. Now, I don't care. I'm not even going to care. I don't even care how many people are in groups. I just need you in one because it's the best for you. So join something. This week, we're going to have all that stuff on our website. We'll tweet it out. I will email you. I'll send an email to everyone in our database. Check it out. Click on that email. Sign up for a group. In fact, how about you lead a group? Man, we need people to lead a group. Man, I'd love to have a young adults group. I'd love to have a a mom's group. I'd love to have a ladies group, a men's group, or have a survivor group. I'd love to. I mean, we need some groups in here. Why? Why? Because that's how God's going to heal you. It ain't for a number. I could not care less about the number. I care about you. And God cares about you. And I'm telling you, get, and this is me loving you. Get in a group. Join, get in a community with people. And I promise you, you start making that a rhythm of your life, your life is going to change. Steph and I would not be married if it weren't for a group. Our parents were in a group, and our butts got drug everywhere together because we couldn't drive. Well, we became best friends, and then she couldn't live without me. So we got married, right? You don't know what's going to happen at your group, but get in one. And I promise you, your life, you're going to start seeing some healing. And here's what I, I'll guarantee you this, actually. You go all in on groups. I'm talking, I mean, you're sharing. You're doing the stuff that the groups want to do. You show up every week. You make that a priority. I guarantee you, your life is going to start to change. And if it doesn't, I'll change churches with you. All right? I'm serious. That is how confident I am that this is how God designed it. And if you just do it, I promise you, God's system works every time. Do it. And if it doesn't work, I'll change churches with you. We'll go somewhere else. All right? I promise. Because God wants to do this in you. You just have to be willing to take that step and sign up. So this week, you're going to get an email. Click on that email. I, we could not make it easier. Click on the email, find the group you want in that email, and sign up for it. All the information will be in there, where it's going to meet, who's leading it, what's it going to be about, all that kind of stuff. And I promise you, your life's going to start to change. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you. I thank you that you didn't design us to do life alone, especially for an extroverted man like me. My goodness, I couldn't imagine doing life by myself. But God, I thank you that you uh, have designed us this way. We need each other. And so, God, I pray that every person in here, that little thing that's happening inside of them right now is like, you know what, I need that. I pray that gets stronger and stronger throughout this week. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, somebody, give God a hand in this place. All right, two things. What are you going to do this week? You're going to sign up for a? All right, and the next one is you're going to bring some name brand 
candy to church next week, all right? Splurge on it. Get some good stuff in here. And I pro- and listen, if you get good stuff and we have some left over, you get to take good stuff home, all right? So that's pretty awesome. So get some good stuff in here. Let's pack this joker out and uh, let's get all the candy we can. And then come help us that week at the park. because We're going to hand out invites. It's on a Saturday. We have church the next day. We can get people in here. But hey, we love you guys so much. If you want to be a part of this baptism coming up, come see me. I'll let you know where it is and you can come do that. But we love y'all and we will see you next week at four.